You are now tuned in to the Wi-Fi Wife podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to invite yourself to our social media party over on Instagram at Wi-Fi Wife underscore. There we have so much fun. (laughs) We really do talking about dating, love and relationships. Right now, today we're talking about dates from hell. And so that's it's always funny. It's not funny when you're in it, like when you're actually on the date, but later when you think about it, all you can do sometimes is just laugh to yourself like, oh my gosh, the stories I have to tell. So hop on over there and share your story that you have from a date from hell. It may not even be necessarily like a really, really hellish type date, but if it was bad, we want to hear it so we could give some feedback and laugh over everybody's different stories. I know I have a few to tell, but I'm not telling mine until you ladies tell yours, okay? So let's get right into the topic at hand. This is is a part of our Women in the Bible series, one of the most exciting series we're going to have here on the podcast. And this particular story is a continuation of Ruth and Boaz, Why You Should Not Be Waiting for Your Boaz. This is episode part two. So if you just happen to stumble upon this episode, go ahead and hop on over to um, our Instagram. Click the link in the bio that takes you directly to the podcast page. You could just see all of the episodes listed there and go ahead and find part one because you don't want to be listening to this one unless you've heard part one. This is part two. Okay, so let's get into it. Where we left off in part one is we're just entering chapter two. And I am using the new international version of the Bible. Of course, I have King James version for me and my family, but it's just easier to read and take notes on this one to kind of put in the broadcast. So feel free to use whatever version you have to take your notes. And we're coming in chapter two, verse four, where Boaz has arrived to meet his harvesters in his field and he has greeted them. And what is significant here is we're kind of getting to the first time Boaz is actually speaking verbally in this story and then getting an idea of what his personality is like. Boaz um, said, the Lord be with you. And then the Lord bless you. They answered, meaning his servants answered him. So Boaz was a kind person. He was well respected. Um, He treated everybody with the utmost respect. So think about modern day version, because remember, we're always tying this back to our issues and challenges. Now, you need to be nice. You need to be kind to the maids, the janitors, the waitresses, the waiters, the valets, and pay attention to how a man treats those people as well. I remember when I was single and I was dating, I would pay very close attention on a date how a man treated the waitstaff or the people that were serving us. That was important to me for a number of reasons. Number one, I don't come from a family of wealth and opulence. You know, my family was blue collar working um, middle class type family. So when I went to college, I had to work my way through college. And one of those jobs was being a waitress. And, and that was the time where I really experienced outside of my family dynamic, my nucleus family, the way people treat you based on the type of job that you have. <laughs> and not everybody's nice. You know, some people really look down on people that do those types of jobs. And so that's important. That's a character trait that you want to pay attention to and observe in a man, okay? So chapter two, verse five, Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? This is when he first notices Ruth. So this is why it's so important that you're gonna have to go back if you haven't heard part one of this, is Ruth volunteered to go work into this field to get some food for her and her her mother-in-law. That was the first step in an action that she took 
to make herself be noticed by this type of man. Why this is so important for dating and relationships, I tell my clients all the time. Online dating is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm an expert in online dating. However, when you meet men in actual real life, it's important that you're in areas where those type of men will notice you, the type of man you're looking for. So you cannot go to the hood and you're looking for a six-figure man unless it's going to be some kind of video shoot going on that day and it's just some rappers or somebody there. Whatever is your taste or your flavor, but you need to step out of your zone. Remember, Ruth traveled to a whole different place away from what she known from a different land geographically. That's the only way that she was able to see Boaz. Like, marinate on that for a minute, okay? Ruth geographically moved herself physically, and that's the only way she was able to encounter Boaz. Not saying that that's what you need to do if you're a single woman, but take note of that. You know, how many times do you venture out in places in your city out of your area or the local area where you live? If you don't live in a major city, but you live close to one, venture out and take some trips, some day trips with a girlfriend or somebody, you know, that's going to be safe for you to travel and get back home. But you want to go like include yourself in activities, in events, areas where you'll be noticed and you can run into somebody that you know, would be maybe possibly marriage material or even just dating material at this point, you know, because if you're not looking for marriage, but you're looking for somebody to get to know and create a genuine connection with, sometimes you have to just step outside your comfort zone. That's all I'm saying. It's very possible that you'll meet a man in your area where you work, where you play, where you live. Okay. An older woman once told me one time standing in front of the library, she said, you'll meet your husband where you spend most of your time. So if you spend most of your time doing whatever particular activity, that's where you're more likely to meet a man. But is it a man that you want to marry? Is it a man that you want to build a family with? That's what we're talking about here. Okay. So let's move on. And chapter two, verse six, the overseer replied, she is a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, um, let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvester. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. This is so important. If you're going to compare your journey by saying, I'm waiting on a Boaz to what Ruth was doing. Ruth was doing manual labor. She worked from morning to afternoon took a break and went back to working. Why is that important? If she had just went and worked for 30 minutes and, oh, I'm tired, I can't take this, I'm going home and just left, she may not have ever seen Boaz, okay? Who knows if she would have seen him or not? We don't know how the story would have turned out either way or the other, but it's important that when you look at a story and you're referencing something that you want to align your own goals with, you need to look at every step, actionable step that was taken, by that individual to set your blueprint. That's what's important. When you're getting business advice from somebody, financial advice, love advice, maybe a realtor is giving you advice on a property, you take the value of this individual's advice because they have already gone through that territory, okay? They've kind of kicked that door open for you and they have the knowledge and the wisdom in that particular area to tell you, hey, this is how this will play out if you play your cards this way, okay? It's no different than love and relationships. And especially if you're following the lessons and the values that come from the Bible, Ruth was a woman of high moral ground and standing, and she was 
family first and faithful and hardworking. I'm talking about being out in a hot sun, picking up grains alongside other people, trying to just get scraps for her and her mother-in-law. How many of you are willing to do that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You, you're not going to actually have to do that, obviously. But you have to get out of your mindset that you're just going to stumble upon this rich man while you're just getting your toes done, basking in the sun. and some, Like that happens. Obviously, that does happen to some women. But you want to set yourself up for success in a relationship and a marriage. And in order to do that, you need to work on the inside, your personal development, and the outside, your personal appearance and how you appear or how you make yourself appear, you know, to the world, okay? And that's being classy, that's being upstanding, that's being a giving, generous woman, humble, um, having the traits that would want to attract a Boaz-type man, okay? And so let's move on. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. This is verse 8, chapter 2. This is pivotal in this story. Why? This is the first time that Ruth excuse me, and Boaz are having a verbal exchange. And the very first thing that comes out of this man's mouth is, don't worry, I got you. I'll protect you. Stay here on my property. I have ordered my workers to not touch you. I have ordered the people to not lay a hand on you. He's immediately laying protection over her. The very first encounter, men are natural protectors. They are natural givers. It is their nature to do so. Okay. So if you are involved with a man or you're interested in a man who hasn't shown in any way that he wants to protect you, that's a problem because that's a part of a man's natural, that's their, their, their natural traits. It's organic to them. Okay. Just like women are natural receivers of sorts. I mean, we're obviously givers in a lot of ways, but um, anatomically, Men are givers and women are receivers. Think about that. Okay, the way our physical frame, our body is set up. All right. And so the very first meeting, I mean, I just think this is so awesome how this begins to set the steps for the story. Again, you're going to hear the single women say, I'm waiting on my Boaz. Okay, how many men have you involved yourself with? Or been around or in the company of that shown that they're willing to or taking the steps to protect you. And it may not necessarily even be physical protection. Sometimes it's emotional, okay? Like let's say something happens where maybe you get in an argument with a family member of a person that you're with. If they don't immediately step in to protect you, regardless of if you're right or wrong, because the action that we're looking for is protection to cover, to keep safe away from harm, that's what a man is supposed to do. So you think about that because if you're waiting on a Boaz, you should not just be waiting on Boaz because you want a man with money. Boaz was rich. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to his wealth in a second. But the emphasis here is what I'm training women to think about being more strategic in how you interact with men is their character. What is their character? How do they operate? What is their MO? And his MO from the very beginning was I'll protect you. 
That's the first thing that came out of his mouth. Is that not like important to you that a man, when he meets a woman to let her know, I got you, don't worry. Not only that, take whatever you need from me. And when you need a rest, you go get you some water. He's accommodating her. I mean, it's just, it's so wonderful. I love the way that the story plays out. So let's move forward. And so we're in chapter two. Now we're in verse 10. At this, um, Ruth bowed down to her face to the ground and she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? This is an act of humility. That's it. That's it. How many of you women listening to this podcast right now are willing to take your body physically and put it in a position where you're bowing to a man? Like where your face, your forehead is facing the ground and you're telling him thank you for showing you a kind gesture. Obviously, we don't do that, right? But some of you won't even say thank you to a man that shows you a gesture, let alone bow to him. Okay, here's some examples. I hear stories from men all the time about why well, I open doors for women and, you know, I, I pick something up off the ground if it falls and hands it to me. They don't even say thank you. And I think, wow, really? <laughs> I mean, like, who do you think you are if a, if a person goes out of their way to show a kind gesture to you, regardless of who it is, the very first thing you should say is thank you. When I was single, that was like my favorite phrase <laughs> to say to men, thank you, thank you, all the time. It's, even now as a married woman, let's say I go to the gas station, this happens to me all the time at like the gas station and stores, a man will go to open my door, I smile and say thank you, even when I'm not in a good mood, because he didn't have to do that. You know, I'm still keeping aware of my surroundings, obviously, because you never know what's going on as far as your safety is concerned. But once I've secured myself safely and knowing like, OK, it's not up to any tricks. Thank you. I appreciate that. And keep it going. Now, if a conversation ensues after that, let them know I'm a married woman. I love my husband. Thank you. But as a single woman, you should always be ready to tell a man thank you because men are givers. OK, you should be ready to receive. It's not always going to be money. It's not always going to be a bag, a handbag or a car or just a huge grand gesture. It could be something small. Sometimes you're tested with small things before God would give you your bigger blessings. And if you are stuck up, conceited, self-centered, um, selfish, full of yourself to the point where you can't even say thank you to somebody that's holding a door open for you or you drop something on the ground and they hand it to you, you need to do some work. I'm just going to be honest. This is a hashtag get real girl moment. That's another one of our series that we have get real girl where we talk to each other woman to woman with no filter. And sometimes you have to have that tough love. Sometimes I'm going to get real tough love on this broadcast. It's not going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time because as women we need to be honest and real and raw about what's going on inside of us why we can't maintain healthy relationships and why we can't attract the type of man that can sustain a good marriage a godly marriage with us it's not always the men ladies that's what this whole wi-fi wife thing is about sometimes it's us that need to do the work and we're gonna do it the women that want to do it that's ready to come to the top floor Come on up here because it's so much better up here. We're having fun up here. Now, if you want to stay in the lobby, you can stay in the lobby. But me and my wifeys, we passing you through the lobby, going to the elevator. We hitting that button. Ding. We're going to the top floor. Okay. Because we want to elevate. We want to be better, do better. We want to find our femininity. 
cultivate our confidence and develop relationships that add value to our life. That's what it's all about. Okay. So start, start practicing that. If that's something that you're not doing, it's just you right now and my voice on this broadcast if nobody else is around. So be real with yourself. If sometimes you have an attitude, sometimes you're a little mean, sometimes you're a little nasty, start changing it. You know, look for ways that men give to you in little small ways. Be ready to receive, smile, and say thank you. That's the number one thing I tell my husband all the time as a married woman. For things that he's supposed to do, I say thank you. He changes the light bulb. Thank you, baby. He checks the air pressure in my tires. Thank you, baby. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Things that he's supposed to do. But he's still my husband. He's still a man and he's still giving to me. And for my feminine energy to speak to his masculine energy, I'm going to tell him thank you with a smile, with a soft tone, sweetly. Everything doesn't always have to be a loud, you know, finger point and neck rolling moment. Sometimes you just need to fall back and be a lady. And I love doing that in those moments with him because I can tell he appreciates it. I don't take for granted what he does just because he's my husband. No, 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 no. Okay. Just like when we were dating and getting to know each other, I want to carry those same positive traits into our marriage. Okay. When I was dating, I remember there was a a bus driver. Okay. I'm about to tell you a story. So um, I used to ride public transit when I was working and I worked for, um, as a contractor for, um, a large organization, a government organization. And there was a bus driver. He probably liked me. I don't know. I mean, he kind of sort of kind of made a pass at me one time, but I wasn't really paying attention to him like that. Um, I was just nice to him. And so sometimes the bus, the bus schedule was like really weird at that particular bus stop. And, but luckily, the bus wasn't far from the building because there were times where I had to like run and bolt to a bus stop or a train station. In this case, I just had to walk like through the parking lot across the street. But sometimes I would miss the bus by seconds or like a minute and then I have to wait a long time for the next one. Um, but when I started this route at this particular job, the bus driver would wait for me. So maybe some, I was like typing up a report. I was running a little bit behind in a meeting, trying to pull myself away to get out the building from my coworkers. Like I got to go. Maybe I was wrapping something up at my desk. Sometimes I just got lost in doing my work and he would wait for me. And I remember one day he waited for me, but I didn't make it. And so the next day I saw him and I got on the bus and I said, Hey, how you doing? He said, yeah, I waited for you yesterday. But I'm so sorry, you know, we're on such a tight schedule. I had to go. And I said, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Like, you know, sometimes I just get caught up up there and lose track of time. But thank you so much. I'm going to try to make it on time next time so I can ride to the station with you. And that was like our little thing, you know, it was just like a little friendly exchange. And again, even if he did want more, I was not giving him that energy, but I was very grateful. I showed him gratefulness, humility for the little act he did because he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to wait for me. You know, it was his job to be on time. There were other people on the bus. They had places to go, things to do. Okay, but I was showing that I was appreciative for what he did do, okay, by telling him thank you and letting him know that even though I wasn't able to make it or for the days that he did wait for me and I was able to make it, that I'm grateful, okay? So we have to wrap this up because we're going to go into part three. It's getting it's getting so good. I hope you all are enjoying the um, broadcast because I'm really enjoying sharing this with you and we're going to be so blessed by this message with Ruth and Boaz. Okay. So stay tuned. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Wi-Fi wife underscore. 
so we can continue the conversation over there. All right. And stay tuned for part three of our Women in the Bible series with Ruth and Boaz. Why you should stop waiting for Boaz. I'm your host, Michelle Brown-Patterick. Thank you again for joining and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.